This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, parenting coach and consultant Julie Romanowski, Miss Behavior, will join us here to take your calls and talk about you and your family and friends in the weeks ahead, how to ensure kids get the best messages from the season, and how not to unravel with all the duties and details. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. After the crazy, busy consumer shopping spree of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, the story that surprised me the most this week was a warning to consumers from, of all parties, the FBI. This is about smart TVs, and the warning is that they may be too smart and may be receiving and tracking information and data that you may not be aware of, even though multiple surveys show we have real privacy concerns and even distrust how data collected from our devices is shared We still buy lots of them anyway. So the FBI adds, in addition to the possibility that companies may be listening, watching, and gathering sensitive information, smart devices like TVs can be used by clever hackers as a backdoor to your internet through your router, making your TV and internet more vulnerable. So how to be a safe device user? The FBI says you need to familiarize yourself with your device and its privacy features. You need to learn how to disable your microphone and camera. They say it could be as easy as putting a little piece of tape over your camera, or you could spend a few bucks and buy a proper camera cover. Also, they warn some of the information picked up by your devices can be stored in another country, which makes tracing more of a problem. Bottom line, smarten up about your smartphone. Learn how to protect yourself. This from the FBI. According to the Richmond News, a real estate company ranked Richmond in the top 10 most bike-friendly cities in Canada. Their score was 61 out of 100. The flat terrain in Richmond definitely gave them an advantage, or some leverage, at least against others, as the level of hills is one of the main factors, along with bicycle lane access and road connectivity, that actually determined a city's bike-friendly score. The rankings were done by Redfin, a tech-powered real estate company in Seattle who used their bike score tool for the first time in Canadian cities, neighborhoods, and addresses. And it now has bike score information for more than 300 cities in Canada with populations of more than 50,000. So here are the top 10 bike-friendly cities across Canada. Numero uno, Victoria, followed by Vancouver, Montreal, then two Montreal suburbs, Longueuil and Brassard. Next is Ottawa, number six, Waterloo, Ontario, seven, then Toronto, Winnipeg, and last but certainly not least, number 10, Richmond, B.C. Next Wednesday, we may have a Wright Brothers moment right here in Vancouver in 2019 as the CEO of our own Harbor Air will be the test pilot for the first flight of a 750-horsepower electric-powered float plane. Greg McDougall says he's not worried about the plane either. A Washington state company called Magnix has been converting a de Havilland Beaver into an engine, an e-plane rather, and the test flight goes Wednesday under quite strict conditions too. 
We know the flight will go up the Fraser from Harbor Air's dock near the airport. We also know that if it's raining, there won't be a test flight until the rain stops. That's a rule. Still, Mr. McDougal is optimistic and wants the entire Harbor Air fleet eventually completely converted to electric aircraft. I know a few white-knuckle flyers that won't be lining up anytime soon for a ride on an e-plane, but McDougal says our fears aren't warranted. An electric e-plane uh, can uh, be as reliable as any other aircraft. He will conduct Wednesday's test flight solo. That's a rule, too. And Captain Kirk has a new job. No, not the TV Kirk. Our Captain Kirk, as in McLean, who's been named the honorary chair for the 2020 Molson Canadian C-A-R-H-A Hockey World Cup in Richmond. C-A-R-H-A, the Canadian Adult Recreational Hockey Association. Yes, there is such a thing. And they announced their selection of the Canucks goaltending legend just this week, saying Kirk is the perfect choice for the position. McLean is thrilled to be part of it. The C-A-R-H-A Cup will run from March 29 to April 5th. It's held only once every four years. It is considered the Olympics of recreational hockey. More than 2,500 participants will compete at the Oval, the Richmond Ice Center, and Minaru Arenas over the course of the week. And of course, they're going to stay and spend money all over Richmond. And the average impact expected to be above $12 million. Way to go, Captain Kirk. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at even more as the show goes along. But coming right up after the break, talk about kids and chaos, misbehavior, parenting coach, and consultant Julie Romanowski. Right up next on Vancouver Consumer. Welcome back to the program on a Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a real pleasure to welcome this person to the program. She is a mother, a coach, a leader, educator, author, speaker, and for the last eight years, founder of Misbehavior Parenting Coach and Consultant Services. Julie Romanowski is visiting Vancouver Consumer on a Saturday. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you with us here, Julie. Uh, You've been at this, as I said, eight years for the Misbehavior program, but you've been in this business over 20 years haven't you? Over 23. Yeah. And and, and it's been going great. And I've had a good opportunity to sort of dabble in everything kid related. So um, now with the consulting and really specifically zeroing in on children's behavior, I feel like uh, this this is my passion. This is where I want to stay and really getting in there to not only help the kids, but overall the families, the communities. And so, uh, yeah, that's been my latest latest project. Well, uh, Julie's only been in the studio for a, a very few minutes here, but the, the, the first two uh, phrases that she ro- uh, uttered uh, after finding herself into a chair and getting comfortable were... Holiday mayhem and Christmas chaos. I wrote them down. <laughs> I was pretty impressed. There you were. So, so are we going to deal with holiday mayhem and Christmas chaos? Yes. Well, in fact, Julie, we sure as heck are. <laughs> so thanks for at least knowing what we wanted to talk about today. What are you busiest at right now as a parenting coach and consultant? The busiest thing is my phone is ringing off the hook and texts are coming in nonstop with parents that are either at their wits end or already feeling the pressure and stress of the, the December and the holiday season. My gosh, it's only the 7th. I I know, I know, you'd be surprised. And so I think things are cracking under pressure. Sure. And so I'm getting the calls mostly for emotional support. Um, And... uh, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's 
early December. What the heck am I going to do towards the, the end? Yeah, exactly. You know, when this actually starts taking place. And so it's a lot of staying calm, staying neutral. You're the leader. Guide forward. Set an intention. And really telling people to breathe. Mm-hmm. That has been the number one uh, sort of hot topic word. Um, hot topic and word that's coming out of my mouth is breathe. You've got to breathe through this time of year or any time of challenge. And um, as I, I suppose I'm only baffled by the fact that the the uh, chaos level is, seems to be as high, at least in some homes, as it is on December 7th. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, there's the 17th still to come. I mean, there's a lot of time left here. So how... How is how is it people get this rattled this early in the game, I guess? I like that question. And I, I want to pretend that it's about the holidays because that seems to just give us the excuse. Sure. But it's not. The reason it's called holiday mayhem or Christmas chaos is because the whole year has been stressful. We are running at a rapid pace day to day, most families. Mm-hmm. And we got parents working. We got kids in activities. There's problems at school. There's problems at home. And so when it comes towards the end of the year, so in this month of December, we have to now do one last big hurrah. We got to be going to dinner, showing our face, getting the Christmas pictures, making sure your kid smiles, you know, brushing their hair, haircuts, all the rest of it. That I think it's that it that's the pressure. It's not that it's Christmas that's wrong and bad and creating stress. That's actually the the relief. That's that's, right. that's, that's the time where we can kind of like breathe again once it's all done and said said and done. But it's it's sort of okay, I've been working hard all year. Now I have to do more. There's more pressure. And I think that's the tipping point where people, especially parents, are like, Kate, that's enough. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? So it's self-imposed mostly by the sounds of things. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to judge, but uh, <laughs> yes, unconsciously, I think we wrap ourselves really, really tightly um, throughout the year. And, and for a lot of people, it's unconscious. They don't know. And it's pretty it easy. Normal. Well, uh, that's right. And and especially with young children uh, at this time of year, it's pretty easy to get swept up mm. in the, the momentum of it all too, isn't it? Absolutely. So nobody's doing it for bad intentions. Nobody's wrong. No one's, you know, horrible. Even though a lot of parents feel guilty and feel that way, we get swept up in the momentum because that's what being around kids is about. They mm. move fast. They're learning. They're on the go. Now you add in the rush of life and all the things, that to-do list that never ends. So yes, we get swept swept up. There's nothing wrong with that. But to be able to just take a step back, be mindful and breathe, that's the key so that you don't get swept away. Is it possible that some of this uh, this get this this chaos uh, that I insist is and I'm it's not me, it's not you, it's me <laughs> is is in to some extent self-imposed. Uh, it, because we we want the best for mm. our kids. We want them to learn how to dance. We want them to play hockey. We want them to join girl guides. We want them to be a candy striper. We want them to do we want them to be all these wonderful things <laughs> that along the road of life you can look back as an adult and say I did that when I was a little kid. And it was really good mm. for me. I'm really glad I did that. But uh, even a kid, even a brilliant kid, can only handle so much in his or her schedule, and then you're into overload. Mm. And I wonder how much overload you deal with. Parents with the best of intentions just putting too much on the plate. I need to like write what you just said down because you nailed it on the head. That's what it is. The intention is good and pure and right. We want to give our kids 
everything. Um, and so that's awesome. But at what cost? And it doesn't, there's no value in losing your morals, your well-being, your mental health, your relationships and connections for those wonderful things. Mm -hmm. So we have to work the balance of both. But I think that's a very important thing is it is about intention. Even though we have good intentions, take it a step further. That's the challenge. What is my intention for raising this child? And you hear that term whole child Mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the global child. I'm not even sure what it's called anymore, but it's looking at the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. not just where he's going to graduate or what she's going to do in her career and and who are they going to marry and where are they going to live and what kind of house. That stuff is important. But it's also several years down the road. That's right. And the foundation of who that child is is happening now in these earlier years. So I really want to just bring that forward just as a gentle, beautiful reminder and um, don't overload, avoid it. Because when we start overloading kids, They'll act like they're keeping up. Mm -hmm. They'll sort of, you know, go with the flow for a bit. And then all of a sudden, you'll see this short-circuiting happen. It's going to come out in in sleep disruption. It's going to come out in picky eating. It's going to come out in behavior. And then that's when I get the call. They're like, I don't know what's going on. And when we sort of discover and explore a little bit more, what I usually find is a child that's been overloaded right. for so quite some time. When you get one of these urgent calls or texts <laughs> as you're receiving oh so many of these days, is 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 the is the remedy or the approach that you take, well, uh, little Johnny or Janie is acting up here, and this is behavior that, frankly, we've not seen before. So is your first or one of your first things to do is let's check the uh, this child's agenda agenda and see what he or she is up to these days, again, from an overload possibility. Yes. I I go through a developmental checklist and medical issues and all that, make sure that's all clear. Talk about sleep and and who's in the family and what have you. But then we jump into not so much the schedule, but what is this child up to? What does the weekday uh, and weekends look like? Mm -hmm. Where is mom? Where is dad? What's happening? And from there, what I do is interpret the behavior. And so what the child is trying to say, what's that message behind the behavior? That's where I come in and I sort of interpret that, give that message to the parents. And usually it's the the number one thing is connection. We think children are attention seeking and trying to get our attention in negative ways. That's just a desperate attempt. What they're doing is connection seeking. And if I've been trying to get this connection from you for quite some time and you're not listening or paying attention, Mm -hmm. I'm going to start bringing out the big guns and I'm going to really make it known. So a lot of times kids are connection seeking. And the second big one is, is I'm overloaded. I'm stressed to the max. I can't even feel anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that starts creating a bit of that, like what I call short circuiting. And you start seeing that manifest throughout the day and then start impacting that child's life. So let's talk about age. Age groups. What, uh, what? What are the? Is there? There'll be break points. The under six year olds. The six to twelve year olds. Do you have those groupings in terms of the way you approach children, or is that it's kind of old school now? Uh, uh, not quite old school, but that's not the approach I take. So I look at 
look at at look at it as the person, the individual as they are. It doesn't matter the age. Right. Now I've got the child development background, so that's happening in the back of my head, and sure. I can tell a toddler, yep, this is what they're supposed to do. This is common. Ooh, sure. This this isn't common. Um, but when we look at the individual person, it doesn't actually matter what age they are, preschool, school age, even teens, even adults. It's emotionally where are they at? I have worked with a lot of teens that are at uh, toddler emotional levels, that being maybe one, two, three years old. I've worked with a lot of uh, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds going into gr- kindergarten, grade one, grade two, and they haven't developed even how to feel angry feelings in a productive way. Mm. And so I don't want to stick to it as an age group. Or oh, if you have a three or five-year-old, they must be doing That's this. That's right, right, yeah. That's but a- rather, what is this individual needing? Which areas are overdeveloped, underdeveloped, and how do we balance that all out? And so that's the approach that I take. That's part of the misbehavior method program that I've developed. Well, I was going to talk about that. I'm, yeah. I've got your website up in front of me here, misbehavior.ca, friends, by the way. And on one of the pages, talks about a new program designed for parents, educators, teachers, and caregivers that gives them the edge on how to positively respond to children's negative behavior. As the adult in the room, no matter how stressed you may be, you are still the adult. Mm. It's incumbent upon you to be positive. If you aren't, uh, Junior is hooped. Bingo, bingo. And most people don't adhere to that uh, because we're wrapped up in our own stuff and our own stresses. It, again, it's unintentional. But to give a nice, gentle, beautiful reminder once again, if you're an adult, you're up to bat mm-hmm. because anyone that's taller than a child, <laughs> they've already deemed you as the guy, sure. whether you like it or yeah, not. Right, right. And so they're watching your every move. They're studying you. They're going to replicate your your response. So we all know how to respond negatively. Like me, I'm really good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of us are, especially in, dra- in traffic in downtown Vancouver. Oh, we're, we're experts. <laughs> but how can we respond positively? And not just with a smile on your face. How do you stay calm, cool, and collected while there's a child in front of you losing their mind mm-hmm. or going through an emotional storm? Sure. When you understand how to do that, you've got it. And you can kind of weather anything, anytime, anywhere with anyone. So people can uh, can learn this program. They can subscribe to this program. This is this is something you've been working on for over 20 years. Yes. The fruits of your labors are now published. <laughs> yes. And um, so uh, how does one go about connecting with you and, and, and locking into this? Right. So you visit the website. Um, you can either email, phone, or text me and just say, hey, I'm interested. I've got a three-year-old or whatever, and this is what's going on. Or I don't even know what's going on. Can you please? call me. And then we set up a time to chat. Um, uh, The first call is complimentary. We talk about what's going on and I'll give you sort of my take on it and how I can help you and how the program can sort of benefit you long term. And then from there, we look at different service packages of coaching, which is mostly done over the phone, but I also do a lot of observation and home visits. Mm -hmm. And so with that program, I coach you through it. We talk about it so that you're in full understanding and then we implement it into your everyday life. So you can have an understanding of how a tantrum works, what the brain is going through while a child's having a tantrum. And then I help you know how to respond to it when you're at the grocery store, at grandma's house, or at a dinner party. 
And so when we start doing that, you get a good idea. And as I coach you through it, you then become the expert. And that's my goal is so that parents are left feeling supported, uh, knowledgeable of exactly what's going on, and then the confidence to be able to deal with any situation at any time. Our guest in studio is Julie Romanowski, better known as Miss Behavior. The website is misbehavior.ca. The phone lines are open, 604-280-9898. Your calls to Miss Behavior after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Julie Romanowski, misbehavior, parenting consultant and coach, is in studio with us. The website is misbehavior.ca. The phone lines are indeed wide open. If you'd like to join the conversation, here's your official invitation, 604-280-9898. We're only a matter of weeks away from Christmas. You, you're you a blogger, among many other activities, you busy woman. And you wrote one recently, uh, four gift-giving ideas that that are sure to ease the holidays and please the families, staff, teams, and groups. That's a very interesting one. We'll talk about that. But many years ago now, you wrote a blog, and, and, and I, I saw the title again today, doing my homework, and you simply said, give your child the gift of gratitude mm. this Christmas. That goes back to 2012 when you wrote that. That's old stuff for you. But mm. I wonder, do you, do you repeat that? Do you find yourself mm. coming back to that theme every Christmas? Oh, not even Christmas. Every day. Every day. And, and it seems to be something we have to pay attention to more and more. So even though I wrote it a long time ago, it it rings true still to this day oh, and absolutely. it will can, it will continue to. And I just want to really clarify that title. So you the parent give your kid the gift of gratitude. So you're not saying thank you to the child. You're not making the kid say thank you to grandma for the for the present. Sure. You're teaching him the skill to be able to understand that you gave this to me? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And watch their face light up because of the connection and love that was present, not the gift. But I think somewhere along the line, it all got distorted. And we want to see that face, that little face light up yeah. by getting them that massively huge and expensive toy. Because mm-hmm. that seems to be the only thing that works, the next biggest best thing. Sure. Creating this Christmas chaos and shopping. Um, and so... Just take it, just dial it back a bit and really sit with that one and let it process that we don't actually have to give our kids anything. And I had this conversation with my six-year-old, almost seven-year-old son just the other day, and I made it very clear to him. You know when you go to a birthday party and the kid's like, so where's the cake? Right. You know, they just associate it. Right, right. It's Christmas, where's do, my gifts? And, and, and also at the birthday party, do I get a goodie bag? No, of course. Right, right, right. It's a staple. And they Otherwise, walk in I'm the door going. and they're looking for the, le- the, the, the parting gift. Yeah, forget the birthday kid. That's right. I want my loop bag. So there's this whole fine line, Julie. You're talking about your six-year-old boy. Um, there's the fine line between gratitude and entitlement. Look, mm-hmm. I'm a kid. I deserve presents. Yeah. That, well, you think Santa Claus is out of bed. He's not about you. He's about me. Okay, so it doesn't start with I deserve. That develops as the child gets older. What it starts with is us giving to our kids. And you know, if you're a parent, you're nonstop giving. It doesn't mm. matter if you're making a peanut butter sandwich or you're buying toys at Walmart. You give, you give, you give, you give, you give. Right. To the point where you're just, you don't even know what you're doing anymore, what your name is. And so when we give, 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 as you do in infancy, we have to take care of that baby. Otherwise, they're not going to survive. Right. We never get out of that. 
And so we have to remember, we want to give our kids everything. Of course, there's those wonderful, beautiful intentions that I see all the time. But don't forget to add in the learning piece, the teachable moment, the skills of, I don't have to give you cake on your birthday. Mm-hmm. I don't have to buy you birthday presents or in this matter, Christmas presents. That's the conversation I had with my son. Mm. And he rolls his eyes like, I know. Now, the difference is, is I want to give you a gift. He's mad just about this marble maze thing. And so, I, of course, that's what I got him. But it was the, it's that lesson. It's that shift in perception that I don't have to, because the real meaning of Christmas is giving, or if, if it's a religious thing and, you know, you go into that. Mm-hmm. Try to wedge some space and and breathing room in between all of these things that your child may be thinking or they're entitled to or assume, like the birthday cake at a birthday party, sure. Christmas presents um, under the tree because it's Christmas. And it's like, Grandma, what'd you get? Come on, hand it over. And it's like, well, hang on a second. Does Grandma actually have to give you a gift? No, she doesn't. Being in Grandma's presence is the gift. Right. And many kids will balk at that and be like, yeah, right. That's the sign to say we need to do a little bit of work here. Okay, but let's put the shoe on the other foot and talk to, talk about grandma for a second because grandma's... <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I'm, Mom, married, I'm, mar- I'm married to a grandma. <laughs> I know about grandmas. Uh, and, and again, with the best of uh, loving intentions, they will give that child absolutely anything. And so, yes. again, it comes to it comes to a point of a balance. There's just... Has, because you were talking earlier about... The only way it seems that I can impress this young person in my life is to buy the newest, zappiest, most expensive, flashiest on TV commercials every 10 minutes toy of the year. And otherwise, I'm just I'm not going to pass muster for whatever reason. And grandparents, I'm afraid, are as guilty. That's a strange word uh, of that sentiment as moms and dads, especially because sometimes not always, but sometimes they don't have all of those daily give, give, give give things that you have that's that's yeah. bygones yeah. so when they get a chance to give oh they do it in spades yes and i don't want to i don't want to take that away from anybody or or judge you and be like you're bad and wrong for spoiling this kid that's not it but what i would encourage is and whether you're grandma grandpa or anybody else if you could just add in a bit of that lesson mm-hmm. and just i mean give them everything you want but also give them the lesson in values morals um what's right what do we want kindness gratitude Be, just attach that to the gift somehow well, <laughs> wrap that in there too <laughs> oh, let's roll that into your most recent blog here about uh, the four mm-hmm. different ideas that you had and number 1 was share a gift you mm-hmm. don't necessarily not it, 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 uh, gifts are shareable items you can get more more than one person could actually enjoy a gift. Yes, absolutely. But if uh, if we're an entitled child or kind of going down that path, how dare you suggest I share with my brother or sister? Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Or share with a family. That's not a gift, you know. Um, and actually, I'm talking about that tomorrow about experience gifts and and taking away from the the plastic and the toys and the the materialistic things and and getting back down to the real meaning of Christmas and that root of why we celebrate this holiday, which is giving, sharing, and experiencing peace and joy together. Sure. 
Now, tomorrow, by the way, friends, Julie was talking about she'll be on the Global Morning News uh, yes. around 8.40 or so tomorrow. Yes. I'll be watching with oh, my second oh, cup good. of coffee. So <laughs> you also talk about making gifts. Now, this is something that a lot of people take quite seriously yeah. because they don't necessarily think that the latest whiz-bang toy from Amazon, uh, even though it's very popular, and we did a story on it last hour about the big sellers and all this, Darth Vader's castle is number one. (laughs) Anyway, uh, a lot of people go, you know, I think I'll go to the craft fair, Mm. uh, the Christmas market, or I'll make something or, or, or go out of my way to find something extraordinary, not unusual, just different, mm-hmm. because it's not whiz-bang and shiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so making a gift is its very personal, Julie. Yes. Yes. And some people, I'll, I'll agree with you, they take that very seriously. I try to actually do that a lot too. I've got a lot of nieces and nephews and and I just thought, you know, let's do something that it, it not only represents them, but it's something they'll enjoy. It's something we can do together mm. um, to try and hit that message home. And even when you share a gift, like we make cookies for all of our family members, mm-hmm. something like that, still, you don't want to just make and then give and it just sort of be empty and, and lost. Bring in attention to it. Bring mindfulness to it with your children as you're making it. Let them know your heart glows and shines when you give somebody something you made and the look on their face of gratitude and stuff like that. Bring attention to those types of things. Kids know this stuff. It's inside each and every one of us. And a lot Bring of it, it can forward. become tradition too, Julie. Yeah. I mean, for example, in our household, uh, and it's been going on since, since my wife was a little girl, uh, and with her mom, every Christmas used to bake shortbreads. Mm. So now our little girl, who's not so little anymore, mm. uh, and her mom still get together every Christmas, and they, she comes in over after work one night on a weeknight. The kitchen goes right upside down the floor. Flower everywhere, <laughs> and they just laugh mm. and carry on. And of course, at oh, the nice. end of the night, there are dozens and dozens of these shortbreads, and they get spread around to every family member. They were all yeah. looking forward to our cut of the action. And again, that's something that a family tradition that has been going on in our family literally for generations. Yes, and it sounds like they really enjoy it. Otherwise, oh, I don't know if it would have lasted. Well, and the older <laughs> she gets, the more fun she has because yes. it was fun as a little girl. But yeah. you know, there was all the learning about cooking and all of that. Now it's just a a gathering. It's an an opportunity to get together and perform the ritual. Oh, I love it. That's wonderful. And so, yeah, let's bring all of that in and really celebrate this season um, with mindfulness, with gratitude, with teaching our children these good parts. Kids are sponges. They want to know everything. They're watching us. They're watching our every move. And they're watching how we think and how we act and how we respond. And that's the lasting impression. That's what's going to become their tradition, whether you like it or not. That's why some of us go, it's Christmas time, ah! because that's what we saw. That's what we're used to. That's the imprint that was left. So really bringing mindfulness to this thought. Um, yes, it's the end of the year. I know you've been working hard all year. I have as well, and I just want to kick my feet up and drink wine. But there's still a bit more work to do. Just a little. Just a little. But we'll get there. We'll get there all together. Well, it's interesting stuff because there is, this is, it's true. It is the year, end of the year. Our accountants are looking forward to starting to crunch the numbers <laughs> as we crunch round the corner into January, etc. But you're right. Instead of the time of year when you just really want to kick back, 
You can't. You have to kick it into overdrive. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to the same daughter that does the shortbreads. Yeah. Uh, called us the other day looking to uh, schedule us in because she's in business now. And there are you know office parties and, and, and client appreciation nights. And you've got to do a hockey game. And you've got to go, go, yeah. go, 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 go. So when can we pencil you in, mom and dad, <laughs> is what we get on oh the my. phone. Well, you know, but that's yeah. at least smart yes. because she's not so busy that we're out of the picture. Yeah. She just wants to make sure that the picture includes yeah. all the important people oh, in her life. That. And thank goodness yeah. we're still on that well, list. Well, yeah, no kidding. No, I love that. And that that's, yeah, that's common. That's what's happening these days. Um, but here's the thing, not, not to say for your daughter, but here's the thing. If you're going to these parties and you feel like you got to do, you know, all these last minute things, make sure you want to do them because mm-hmm. a lot of times we feel obligated to do them and that doesn't help. Um, so if you're going and you're enjoying and it's a bit hectic, bit chaotic, but it's all for good fun, okay. But if it's really wearing you down and affecting your everyday life, your sleep, your health, your mental wellness, check in and just say, do I really have to do this? Don't forget it's called Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Take the time to break. Right. Find, and, find a way to take a little break in all of and, that. And we get to cheat a little bit as parents and start breathing and taking breaks earlier on in December. So <laughs> go ahead and do that in your everyday life. Andrew um, just took a call from Monica in West Vancouver who said she didn't want to be on the radio but did want to ask you as a grandmother about discipline. Because this is a, this is a, a word that grandparents use frequently that we don't hear parents using as much as we heard when we were kids. Uh, And it seems to be a word that is almost in disfavor Mm -hmm. in some circles. So what about discipline for our grandmother, Monica, in West Van? So, you know, it's funny because discipline has made a massive shift, that word, that concept. And I just want to clarify, discipline isn't punishment or consequencing a child for their poor behavior. Discipline is the act of consistency and of a routine. So for example, I get up every day at 5 a.m. to work out on the treadmill. I don't, mm-hmm. but, but that's, I'm, I'm disciplined. Sure. I do that every day. That's right. Yep. So when we have expectations for our children and we take their behavior and say that part was wrong um, and not okay and hurtful, do this instead next time. And if we get into a routine of that and become consistent, that then is the discipline right. of guidance. The routine is the discipline. Yes. So what about consequences, though, for negative behavior? And I'm not talking about spanking or any of mm-hmm. that, you know, really mm-hmm. old school stuff, but just consequences. There has, there has to be a measure of accountability somewhere along the line. Okay, I love how you said that. And yes, there does. I'll agree with that part. The accountability comes from, I heard, I observed, whatever it is. Mm. I saw you punch your brother in the face. Yeah. Yes, you do hold them accountable. You have a chat about it when they're calm and you guys are connected. Sure. And you say that part there was wrong, mm. but I liked how you did these parts. Like these parts were right. That's all that's required. Believe me, as a parent, you have a lot of power and kids are listening to that. But we have attached something to that that accountability, which is go to your room, no iPad for you, you're grounded, Mm -hmm. time out. Those actually aren't necessary. That is counterproductive. That next step or second step almost erases you holding them accountable in that first step. So 
I'm not saying don't discipline your child. Discipline is the act of consistency. That I agree with. But we actually don't have to do any of those sort of timeouts, even spanking. People are still spanking their kids, even though we've got the research to support that that's negative. Um, consequences, go to your room, no TV. That's it. You're not going to your friend's birthday party. In a way to teach them. That's not how kids learn. Hmm. So if you want to do that to be hurtful, that would make sense. But if a child needs learning and guidance and teaching, that's not how you get it done. You get it done by being connected, using repetition, giving them instructions, pointing out the parts that were okay and not okay. What we tend to do unconsciously is when a child causes hurt, you just kicked my leg because you were mad. I told you to eat your peas and corn. Right. Um, you caused me hurt. That's not okay. Go to your room. Mm. We have to realize that we just matched the hurt. No, we know we're not hurting our child, but the perception from that child's viewpoint is mom and dad just hurt me. That's a loaded topic, and and I know I'm only I only have a few minutes, and and there's a lot more to it. I don't want anyone to misinterpret that, but we have to be very careful on how we discipline, right, and how we teach children and how we guide them, because a lot of our guidance and teaching comes from hurting kids or making them pay or making them you know learn from their mistakes. Monica, thanks for that. You provoked a, a, a perfect opportunity for me to welcome uh, Julie back to the program because we'll do this again in the new year, okay? Yes. On a Saturday afternoon, we'll get Absolutely. you back in here and we'll start <laughs> from that point and it, it, it'll go to amazing places. This was a fast-moving, wonderful hour. Thanks for taking time Thank out of your you Saturday so to be with us. And you can catch Julie tomorrow morning at 8.40 on Global News. Thank you for this, and Merry Christmas to you, Julie. Merry Christmas, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Julie Romanowski, Misbehavior, for a very fun, informative visit. And thanks for your calls as well. Her website is misbehavior, all one word, dot C. And Andrew, we got a couple of big anniversaries going on in our city this year. The 50th anniversary of the Vancouver Canucks, who just beat uh, somebody this afternoon. 6-5 yeah, over the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres, excellent, good for us. And also, celebrating the big 5-0 is the Bloedel Conservatory in Queen Elizabeth Park. Yeah, and if you're not really familiar with it, I, I don't blame you. Not a lot of people actually really know that it's there, but it's this really cool dome-looking thing, Queen Elizabeth Park. Yes. And it's been there for 50 years. Uh, John Cooper, who's the uh, Vancouver Park Board Commissioner, was on with John Daly. Uh, they spoke yesterday at, at the 50th anniversary event, and he had this to say about the uh, the 50 years that they had going. I'm pretty excited to be here because uh, 10 years ago, we didn't think uh, we were going to make it. And uh, it was a great effort by the community, and uh, it's really gratifying to be here on, on the 50th. And it's hard to believe that 50 years passed since the day it opened. And... I feel like that's kind of emblematic of of the Bladell Conservatory. It, it doesn't get the you know the same star studded you know uh, uh, visibility as the Aquarium, Van Dusen Gardens, you know all these other places. And yet there are tropical things going on under that dome roof that are just simply breathtaking. There's birds that you've probably never seen in your life. They've got really weird plants that I really love. And if, if uh, I'm going to plug myself here, I'm, I also do weird science on the shift with Drex. So right. I'm a bit of, I'm a science nerd. There's a lot of cool stuff out there that maybe you know it's not even that expensive too i believe the uh, adult tickets are only eight dollars to get into the conservatory right, and yeah. you know instead when you, you know 
it's a good, I don't know, it's a good economic way to get out. And I think, you know, after 50 years, why not give them a look? And a little family outing, perhaps, in the days and weeks ahead with some time off over the holidays uh, as to be a, a nice spot. Exactly. Yes, the kids gonna are going to go, be coming out of school soon. That's right. Absolutely. We'll go looking at the Christmas lights and maybe make a stop at the Bloedel Conservatory. There you go. So if you'd have a question for Andrew Ferreira, you can ask it, you can send it to my, my email address here at CKNW, sterling at cknw.com. We'll get it to us. Or you can tweet the question to us at Van Consumer and Ask Andrew will return at this time next week, courtesy of Mr. Ferreira, producer of this program. Oh, by the way, remember those uh, Tim Horton ads a couple of decades ago with the ones for stew or chili, which all ended with, and then I ate the bowl. Well, they're experimenting with bread bowls again. Timmy's in Alberta, Edmonton, and Calgary now experimenting with it, saying very very little. But apparently they could be back sometime in the new year. If you're one of those Chili and a Bowl fans, they may be making a comeback. That is our program for this weekend. I'm Sterling Fox with thanks to Andrew Ferreira and you for joining us, inviting you to join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.